do it live. We'll do it live. We're doing it live. You're listening to Dots, Lines, and Destinations, a travel podcast with host Stephen Seagraves, Fosma Moon, and Seth Miller. Welcome to Dots, Lines, and Destinations, episode 334. I'm here with Seth Miller and special guest Jason Rabinowitz. Hello, and where is here? We are in, where are we? Williamsburg? We are on Willi- in Williamsburg, Domino Park. I mean, I feel like I'm in Portland. <laughs> Yeah, I, 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 the waterfront isn't this nice in Portland, is it? It's it, more of a river. Well, we're on a river here, too, I guess. Yeah. So, it's nice. I feel, it's like, nice. I feel like I flew across the country to, to come to another Portland. Yeah, but the important thing is we're doing a podcast with actual eye contact. Eye contact, person. and I can so see your mouth and your face. new for me for a long time. Yeah. And try not to get sighted for open container. Yes. We'll just put the mask around the can, he's, and they won't he's see quarantine. what it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Quarantining the can. Um, so yeah, we set this here for work, and I actually had a separate ticket booked and made it work, so we could all be here together. And I live here. And yeah, Jason lives here. Phil, <laughs> so, uh, how was travel? This is your first flight, right? Yeah, yeah, like my first official long haul flight. I guess I flew through Denver. We're calling Transcon long haul though. Yeah, yeah. I mean, okay, that, that, that's where we're at. Okay, <laughs> that's where we're and at. And honestly, it was really just a midcon because he connected in Denver. Yeah, and and Denver was a shit show. That's a little what, busy. A little busy, busier than I expected. Uh, got into LaGuardia late. Beautiful terminal you have here, Jason. Yeah, and you busted curfew. You got in after midnight. You got in and after midnight. Uh, that airport, gorgeous. Yeah. So I had also my first pre, during, post COVID. I guess you would call it not post COVID. We're definitely not post COVID, COVID era flight in and out of the New LaGuardia, and that place is like, what the hell happened? Where did this place come from? Yeah, I mean, they... I get to see it tomorrow. Yeah, because you're flying out. I'm flying out, finally going home. But I mean. I've seen the pictures. I've seen some videos. Is it really that nice? The pictures don't do it justice because when you get there, I'm still in the mindset of I'm going to LaGuardia. Yeah, yeah. And the yeah, building yeah. you walk into is not LaGuardia yeah. at all. Except I, it is. It is, but it doesn't feel like it. Your yeah. brain, you know, when you think of LaGuardia, your brain immediately goes to it water is. dripping from the ceiling. See, you know. My memory goes to when the, I guess what it, it was the US Air Terminal, Terminal D was being reconstructed in like the late 90s. That's what I remember. But so that was like that was construction thirty years ago. Yeah. And I lived here for eighteen years, and it was always my memories were like vaguely miserable in construction. So it's going to be weird for it to not be that anymore. We still have a number of years before we're to the point where LaGuardia is done. Yeah. Okay, it's still going to be construction, right? I mean, like yeah, C and D, the Delta terminals are still very much under construction. I think what what took me off guard was this: the, just the size of the terminal. I mean, it is, when you go inside, the ceilings are really, really high. Everything's vertical, right? So you got to go up and over to the actual, you know, uh, gate from yeah. the main con- concourse. It's different than LaGuardia ever was. It was always you walk down, yeah, <laughs> and down into the depths of LaGuardia <laughs> for your flight. Uh, and uh, yeah, it, it just—it's a nice. I flew out of LaGuardia before COVID, back when they were still working on it. You kind of had to go through the maze of tunnels, and now that they fix it so that you kind of go up some escalators to go through security, yeah, you know, up and over the bridge. And so this is the new bridge that's going to go over what eventually will be taxiways, yeah, right? Exactly, right. Yeah. So the the new headhouse opened right in the middle of. COVID, I think June of 2020, so right in the thick of there being no flights in New York. Um, so I never actually got to go see it even until just a couple weeks ago. And mm-hmm. I actually flew out of LaGuardia. You you flew in. So you didn't even really get to experience the check-in and ticketing hall, which is like otherworldly for, for LaGuardia. Yeah, you see it kind of coming down the escalator when you're on the baggage. Right. And it's definitely like, oh, nice marble. It's the most open a check-in counter it's ever been. Yeah. It, looks, it looks like something out of Europe or Asia, yeah. really. So now they have everyone leaving under the central terminal, going through that building. Then you go into like the main post-security rotunda with the water feature that isn't just like garden hoses and buckets collecting water, but it's actually <laughs> supposed to be there. Um, and then depending who you're flying, you either end up in the new gate, one of the two new piers, or the dreaded D gates, where American still has half its flights. 
And one of the things I noticed was that there's like a lot of um, restaurants or concession before you even go over the bridge. Yeah, so that's the departure like lounge. Security yeah, that, no, that's that's inside inside, inside security. security. So yeah, just okay. after security, you go through a duty-free, not duty-free maze because you're flying domestically. Um, hey, Air Canada's coming back eventually. Uh, sure, one day. Um, and then they kind of toss you into the main, I guess you could call it food court, where they have a junior's cheesecake and some other local establishments. And then you go up an escalator, over a bridge, down an escalator, around a couple circles, and then you end up in your pier. I do, I do wonder what it's going to be like when it's full traffic, lots of people up and down the escalators. In typical New York fashion yesterday, people were you know, walking up and down the escalators in a very speedy fashion, um, which are not wide escalators. So when, it's, when it's crowded, it's going to be... You're, you're going to stand there. Yeah. And it's so, probably also not wide enough to touch your bags. Exactly. Yeah. So it'll, it'll be interesting to see how that works. I think they've done uh, as good a job as they could possibly do, given the, the space constraints they have there. I mean, they literally built an airport on top of a functioning airport yeah. in a tiny, tiny... No, no. I, I've, I've heard the governor say it's a brand new airport. All right. My mistake. It's a new airport. Yeah, yeah. Brand new. The only one. Yep. In the Denver. country. Ever. Yep. Tore, tore down Rikers. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Yeah, I, I really, I really liked it. Uh, even after bust, bust the curfew, I thought it was, yeah. it was really nice. I think uh, another thing that strikes you too is like just the roadways coming up to it. Yeah, uh, getting out of the airport is actually easy. It's not like it used to be where you know you had like four stop signs. The drivers. There's a traffic light now. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> weird merges are mostly gone. Yeah. All, yeah. The, all the weird merges. I mean, gone. there's still no train to LaGuardia. That's a whole other topic for another podcast day. But the one thing I do miss is that there's no more easy in and out of LaGuardia. The old LaGuardia, you could pull into gate D1 and you could be on the bus in under a minute. Mm. Now it's five, seven, ten minutes yeah. minimum to get out of there because there's so many elevation changes. And Will that go away when they finish the head house? No, that, that's that's the way it is now. I mean, I, mean, I know you gotta go up, you just have to go the up and down, but it will, just, will be just the one up and down as opposed to multiple. I think it will just be the one up and down because right now, to get to the old B gates, you still have to go through the last remaining chunk of the old central terminal building, gotcha. which is a little weird, but it'll be a little more streamlined, but it still won't be the same amazing LaGuardia feature where you could be from plane yeah. to bus in a minute. That was, I recall when we talked about this a while back, Bob was mad that they were redoing it because he found it too easy to get in and out, despite it being a shithole. He liked it being easier rather than nice. Yep. There's something to be said for that. Um, I can vote for both, but how's the rest of the trip? It's good. I think, I think, uh, I mean, I felt, it felt very, it felt very united. I mean, it was delayed out of Denver. (laughs) It felt like I was back, you know, back back home. (laughs) Uh, uh, But then I think, you know, what struck me was how, just how crowded Denver was. I think people are saying travel's dead or, you know, people aren't traveling. Both my flights were full. Yeah. Airport was full. Um, yeah. Tried to get ripped off by a cabbie after landing uh, in LaGuardia. Wouldn't have it any other way. Yeah. I mean, he tried to make me, you know, tell me, oh, it's 50 bucks into Manhattan from LaGuardia. I told him, uh, no. F off. I will pay whatever the meter says. <laughs> and he said, I'm not, I can't turn the meter on. I said, well, then I'll get out. <laughs> and he said, uh, well, how about 35? I said, that's close enough. <laughs> okay. So no, you negotiated. Your, to, uh, I just, I was tired. It was midnight. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what he's depending. <laughs> um, I'm still trying to figure out if travel is really back and flights are really full or if the schedule is just still so pared back that everything appears to be full. I think it's both. Yeah. Uh, right? I mean, the past week we've seen like 60 to 70%. We've actually had a couple days over 70% of 2019 era travel, which is what I'm considering pre-pandemic these days. Um, but what's the schedules are still decimated right yeah. now in a lot of markets. Like for me to fly home uh, New York to Boston tomorrow is less than half the flights that used to, yeah. even on a sat, even on a Sunday. Right. Well, and there's markets. I've talked about this before. Boston to Newark used to be 16 flights a day and is now like 18 a week. Hmm. So there's still a lot of market, and so that's why flights are more full, which is good for the airlines because they'll help also drive the yields back up a little bit. 
But that's the real question that I think right now is how much of this demand, how much of this return to service is empty uh, airlines seeing empty planes and just cutting fares to fill them versus people now paying, we'll say, real money, real money to yeah. fly. Right. Like, this summer we've already like we saw a quick bump in fares as as the quarant or the not quarantine lifted, but as some of the rules relaxed, some of the CDC things changed, and I'm sure there'll be another spike with the recent you know no masks if you're fully vaccinated rule that came out or guidance that came out this past week. So yeah, um, can, we, can we talk about that for sure? sure. It's your podcast. Yeah, I mean, say yeah, so. They tell me. Uh, Just feed that ego. So, CDC gives out this guidance that says masks public for vaccinated people unnecessary, right? Uh, but they've made it very clear that masks are necessary for airplanes and trains and buses. I wouldn't say they made that clear. They didn't even mention that. I don't, I, yeah, it, it, to, to be fair, and, and modes of convey- there are follow up pieces like follow up guidance that said, but convey but transportation is still covered. Yeah, or, or you need to still be right. covered. Otherwise. I, I'm okay with the CDC guidance to be very clear. However, I find it odd that we're saying it's okay in public not to wear a mask and get vaccinated, but if you're on an airplane, you have to wear a mask. Yeah. Because we've been, we've been preached, we've banged into our heads like get-go of, of COVID that planes are safe. Not only have they been saying planes are safe, I think we talked about this a little on Twitter the other day, but they've been saying planes are the physically safest place a human being could possibly be and no one will ever get sick on a plane. You'll get struck by lightning eight times before you get sick on a plane. Yep. And yet that's the one place you still have to wear a mask. Yeah. It's very confusing. I think it's frustrating people because they think, well... I don't have to wear it out in public, but I have to wear it here. Yeah. It's, I understand the challenge there. I think that uh, Sarah Nelson, is her name, right? AFA? Yeah. Um, flight attendants union head made a good point, which is transmission still happens. It's Transmission happens via planes, but it's really healthy pe- or sick people traveling and then getting out and being stupid off at the other end, right? Yeah. It's, it's not happening on the plane so much as is happening via plane. And so that's a little challenging, but... I, I'm not opposed to keeping the mask in place on planes. For one thing, the rule is if you're fully vaccinated and there's no one actually checking that. Right. And if we're on an honor system, the people that don't want to get vaccinated are also the people that aren't going to pay attention to the honor system anyway and aren't going to wear their masks. Too so yeah. I, I've, I've got a bunch of trips coming up this summer. Like I'm starting to fly again. And while I find wearing the mask annoying, especially now that I'm you know fully vaccinated plus two weeks, whatever, I'm pretty happy knowing that it's still there. Um, and just, uh, on the plane, I'm just not, I'm not willing to have that fight yet. Yeah. And it, so it's, it's probably a good thing because the messaging about airplane safety never really made much sense because on an airplane, you're sitting inches away mm-hmm. from someone for five, six, seven, eight, nine hours. They're comparing that to the air is cleaner than a grocery store. Well, I'm not in a grocery store for nine hours and I'm not sitting next to anyone three inches away from my face for that duration mm-hmm. of time. So I, I get that they need to keep the mask rule. The messaging about what is going on, which is, to me, was very poor. I think I think in general, though, the messaging has been poor. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's I think that's the takeaway. Sorry, we're watching the ferries go by. This is great. Yeah. And it's the, the most, it's the most It's the most I've ever seen on a New York City ferry. It's going over like four miles an hour. It must be And great. it's got people on it. Yeah. It's the most people I've ever seen on one. Um. <laughs> Except the summer tourist rides out to the beach. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What is NYPD um, doing? Are they looking for us? NYPD boat came in too. This is lovely water from me. They just drinking beer in the park. So this is yeah, it's a shakedown. Yeah, but we're on land. They're on water. They don't have jurisdiction on us. <laughs> I don't think that's how it works. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> Today, in suspicious legal advice by Jason Rabinowitz, <laughs> they're maritime law. Yeah. <laughs> oh boy. Um, uh, just gonna think. Is any any else special? Any else to change from your travels? No, no. Did I did I mention anything? That I, mean, sure. I don't know. I, I think the, the crowding is the interesting part to me. I think, and really figuring out how that's gonna play out. And yeah, I mean, I think the summer, like right, we're getting into summer months. You said you're traveling a little bit, yeah. Jason. You're traveling a little bit. Yep. I'm probably gonna travel a little bit. I think more and more people are feeling, especially those who've been vaccinated, are feeling more comfortable traveling. So I wonder what you know, what is it gonna look like yeah. in 
two months, you know, middle of June, July, yeah. and people are like, let's go to the beach, let's go to New York, let's go to LA. Um, yeah, yeah the, the amount of pent up demand for travel right now really is probably higher than it's ever been yeah. in the past. It's just, I don't really feel like I have anywhere to go right now. Like sure. I want to travel internationally, but that's still completely, almost completely off the table. But yeah, unless you're going to Greece. Or Italy, maybe, if you only fly Delta's COVID-tested flight, maybe. Yeah, what is, so what is this about? Uh, nobody really knows. So Delta's had these COVID-tested flights where you can bust their uh, mandatory quarantine if you do multi-stage testing before departure. But now that was only for like essential travel, if you had business, mm. if you had essential business there or student or family members. But now Delta said it's open to tourism. But the Italian government hasn't said anything to that degree. Really? No. So... That book makes, it and find out the hard way? Yeah, yeah, like book it and try? Yeah. That's interesting. I, I would have assumed that Delta wouldn't have made that announcement had the, without guidance from the Italian government. They may have guidance, but that guidance isn't, isn't public. public yet. Wow. I mean, we, we also only, like, found out that Portugal is officially going to open up to Brits, like, I want to say, like, Friday morning, at, well after uh, people had started booking on uh, speculative flights, assuming that was going to happen. Yep. And then the minute it happened, like all the prices tripled. So, and but it was Germany uh, announced very quietly too that they're fully open to vaccinated travelers as well. Just really? a couple days ago, yeah. Good Only in German. The English site does not have that information. And and what's interesting is that that site also says that it's still closed to Americans. Yeah. <laughs> even, even if fully vaccinated. Yeah. Fully vaccinated travelers. But I also have to assume a little bit of that is reciprocity, right? Until I the US think, really I opens up. I think that is what it is. It's um, got to happen soon, right? It will. It will. And I think it's the interesting part is going to be the vaccination, vaccinated versus not, and or test, we have vaccinated versus testing. That's a really weird dichotomy right now of like, if I'm fully vaccinated, but I want to be on one of these Delta flights, I still have to test multiple twice before departure plus once on arrival. And like, I'm going to St. Martin, I have to test before and after, like, there's all this testing involved, and no one's updated the rules to say vaccinated doesn't have to test. Yeah. And, or I should say no one. Most haven't. Yeah. Um, and no one's even talking yet about mandatory vaccination. For yeah. yeah. Uh, the Australians have been talking about it. Yeah, but maybe late 2022, they're still very, very closed off. <laughs> right, because they can't get to the point where they can trust that people will be mandatory, will have vaccinations. Or should they? So, with that, though, right, like, we're talking about European travel now. Do the schedules have to, like, they have to adjust, right, to fit, to meet this? I mean, in the very short term, yes, but anything more than three months out, the schedule is pretty much unchanged for 2019. Like, if you look three months in the future, you still see British Airways operating 90 gazillion flights between JFK and Heathrow a day. None of that's real. It's all hypothetical, but they could. They're just going to leave it there. Yeah. Yeah. Keep those slots. Yeah, exactly. Use them or, I guess, not this it's summer. not use them or lose them this summer, but it will get back there at some point. Yeah, when are we going to hear that negotiations for October? Yeah. Right? You know the airlines are going to ask for waivers again for winter coming up. Yeah. That season starts in October, so I figure they start negotiating that in June. Yeah. Yeah. So that'll be fun. Look forward to that conversation <laughs> coming soon. Um, what about, uh, you know, United has announced the testing kits that they can... Uh, take your own antigen yeah. test yeah, on. Take, take your own antigen kit with you. Yeah. You order it, take it with you. It's valid for entry back in the United States. So this is really focus on tourists going yeah. somewhere and then coming, coming back, back coming yeah. back to you. So yeah. for you, you're for example, my going, going to St. Martin, right. needing a test coming my, back. My hotel offers their PCR test, but they offer them in the lobby four days a week. Yeah. Right. Um, and it just has to be within 72 hours of return, so I'll be okay. Um, there's a couple interesting things about this. One is it's antigen testing. Which, which is accepted by the U.S., but not but almost no one else yeah. uh, for entry. So that's one part that I find interesting. The another part is that they're saying you have to bring two. Yes, one might be inconclusive, so you better have a backup. Which, you know, dollar suspenders, fine. But the, the tests aren't that expensive. It's 150 for a six-pack, which I expected to much higher. Mm-hmm. Than 25 bucks a pop. Yeah. And a lot of places here in the U.S. are charging a lot more than 25 bucks a pop for regular tests. Yeah. Even though they shouldn't legally be charging anything. But, yeah. Now, I... So 25 is in the ballpark of, like, reasonable for a tourist. Convenience I mean, fee. Huh? It's a convenience fee. Except it's really 50. 
but uh, and yeah, I, this is interesting. I, I think that's ballpark reasonable. I'm going to pay seventy, I think, in St. Martin for mine. So fine. Mm-hmm. But also, you know, you get Willie Walsh from Iada now saying any fee for testing is too high. They should be like less than five dollars, and everybody should be able to use antigen for all tests everywhere. Um, lateral flow, they call him. But, but he doesn't. But he doesn't get to dictate what countries will accept. Well, no, because he's neither a health professional nor a uh, you know, government authority. He's just a lobbyist for airlines. Yeah. I mean, I see his point coming back into the United States. Get everyone in the U.S. in agreement that this antigen test is acceptable. Okay, and we do. I mean, the U.S. government has decided that. Yeah. But and it's, so, like for me, coming back in Europe, I've talked about going to Croatia because Croatia is going to be open. So, with an antigen test, this is an easy way for me to come back to the United States. Sure. If you don't think you'll be able to find testing locally in Croatia, for, yes, for cheaper. Yeah. Or just easily. I yeah. mean. I don't know, the one part about this that's interesting to me is like it has to the US for those tests to be valid it has to be like supervised yeah. and so it's some apparently it's like all online and whatever you do it but, yeah it's a virtual visit but it's a, it's a virtual visit and I, it's but it's not virtual in the sense of like it's a bot right it's virtual in the sense of you just do it like via you actually bot. have to wait for like a nurse on, okay. on, on the thing and then the 15 minute waiting period or 5 or 15 minute yeah. waiting period and then someone else comes back to verify the results virtual means lots of things how does it how does it actually work with the results is it just turns it's almost color? like a, a pregnancy test it changes color and I think one line means you're sick two lines mean it's negative um, so it's kind of very, very similar to that yeah. But it's not like digital, like it's not doing the test and uploading it. Or yeah, it's all you hold the thing up to the webcam and, and then they, they see the that you're yeah. good and you get a barcode that you can then use wherever you're going. And, yeah, which I get it, that sounds reasonable enough. It also like seems a little sketchy, but so, it, sounds, it also sounds kind of like a pain in the ass. Too. Could I just go get it's a, a pain pregnancy? in the nose? Could, could you just go get a pregnancy test and show them the two bars? Yeah, you <laughs> can try it to see what happens. <laughs> well, will they notice the difference? Maybe. Well, how high resolution is your webcam? It's going to be whatever my phone is, and it's Android, so probably not great. Um, <laughs> yeah. um, all right, let's talk about some other things. Uh, Vistara wants to fly to Tokyo. Good luck. Once a week. Why? I have no idea. Why well, do anything once a week? I have no idea. Are they wanting to fly a 787? Yep. Okay. That's, they've got them, and they got to do something with them, right? They can't really go to London. Um, they can't really go... They sort of had Germany... They've been talking about the U.S. They applied for service to the U.S. They want to do that come September, but apparently they want to do uh, Tokyo, and they're like, and they're planning on starting Tokyo in like three weeks. But how? Japan's like one of the most closed off countries in the world. Japan and India isn't that open either. No, <laughs> um, I cannot for the life of me figure it out. But that's one of the fun round announcements that came out last week. I mean, I have tickets booked to Tokyo in March 2022, and I'm not confident. It'll be open by then. Did you get an North Philly deal? Uh, originally, yeah, and then American matched it out of Newark. So, yeah, <laughs> I'll Roger. see you in Tokyo. Yeah, great. <laughs> this is how we live. <laughs> I may have to book an award trip now and come hang out with you guys. <laughs> Whoa, if, if, woe is if, me. If, oh, yeah. If Japan is open, we'll go find Yakitori and all will be good. Yes. Um, Speaking of which, we're, we're drinking. I just want to mention real quick, we're, at, we're on the waterfront near other half, really, and we're drinking the boxcar lager. It's pretty good. It's yeah. nice. Four and a half percent. It's good for a nice warm day. Good, nice outdoor by the waterfront. Yeah. Mm. Well, Which we're yeah. totally not drinking out in the waterfront. No. In the park. If anyone's listening. Anyone in law enforcement is listening, you didn't see it happen. Nope. I'm denying all of this now. Um, although we have photos of it also, so maybe that's not a great plan. Um, Delta's having some trouble keeping the Sky Clubs clean in Atlanta. So they've asked for volunteers? They've asked for volunteers to help clean the uh, lounges. Um, and it's volunteer salaried employees. So the trick there, or the key there, is they're asking for salaried employees, not hourly employees, because with hourlies, they got to pay them. Right. Um, I'm okay with this. Really? I mean, how is it any different than JetBlue saying if you're deadheading on one of our flights, you're cleaning after yourself and the rest of the plane before you get off the plane? Because that's been part of the job description, and it was part of like what you got. I mean, it is voluntary. Right. 
it just I don't know, it rubs me as like pay the people for doing work. I don't know. Do you have to be do you have to be like on a shift to be No, it's separate from your actual work shift. No, no, screw that. Right, this is come in extra time, whatever, and like come hang out with us and help clean plus tables in the sky club. Yeah, I mean, it's weird, but I get it. Like, I do get it. I just think it's shit. They have an external company that does this stuff, but they can't get employees to do it, which is not directly Delta's fault, I guess. But and yet still, and still, yeah. I mean, to be fair, like, yes, they, the company Sodexo that's supposed to do it is like a hundred something people short right now, um, and they're offering a two thousand dollars sign-on bonus, but it's to pay is ten dollars and ninety cents an hour. Yeah, this brings up a whole other topic that I was talking about on Twitter yesterday, the day before. I'm, I'm surprised that airports don't have a, a more difficult time than they do finding people to work, especially at those rates. Jobs at what is basically minimum wage, but with all the additional hassles of working at an airport, getting to an airport, getting badged at an airport, going through TSA every day. That's not insignificant to be every part of every day of your life yeah. when you're working at McDonald's at SeaTac Airport. Like that's that's or, a, or busing tables for a bunch of lounge members who are not always the nicest travelers. We try to be nice. <laughs> Some do. Not everyone. All right. That was the end of part one of this episode. We've got a table at the bar now, so we're going to go drink more beer legally. We'll be back shortly with part two. Plane crash. Centennial Airport. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Colorado, just outside Denver. Um, this was crazy. No one injured. Two planes collided. Both landed. One landed. One parachute landed. It also landed. Also, under the definition of came to the ground, not in a fireball, it landed. Um, a Metroliner and a Cirrus SR-22. So the Metroliner is like old, built like a tank. Yep. Right, the pilot reported an engine out, didn't notice the fact that like the rear half of the fuselage had been ripped open. Yeah. And declined support from the it's tower like, when asked if he wanted... taxied into the cargo room. taxied over to the cargo room and they're like, yeah, do you want us good. to send the fire department over? And he's like, no, nah, I'm good. So clearly he didn't know. But the uh, the parachute part is a really neat for me. So the caps of the Cirrus, the parachute system, the pilot there pulled it. Um, was successful, and the plane landed, and he was spinning mildly. Yeah, I actually don't know, haven't seen any report of what the damage was to the Cirrus that led to him pulling the cap system. Like, obviously something must have happened, because you don't pull that unless you intend to write off the aircraft and never have it fly again. But, um, yeah, that thing is is miraculously, amazingly engineered. And then more beer showed up, and life got better. (laughs) Cheers. Drink it down before the, the rain comes, boys. So, a uh, so the caps system. You sound like you know a lot about it. I mean, yeah, the caps is just a it's a parachute system that's built into the Cirruses. It's a it's basically a handle uh, that the pilot can pull within a certain like, instead of an ejector handle on a fighter jet. Basically, yeah, it's, it's like, like kind of up above you. Uh, you pull it and it, it releases a parachute out. Um, I don't think it just releases it. It rockets it out a parachute. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it is in fact an ejector handle, but it's an ejector for the parachute. Yeah, yeah. and it, there are criteria for when it can be deployed. Right, like, so below like, 100 knots or something. Yeah, it's got, knots, it's something it's like that. going a certain speed and, and at, a, at a certain altitude. So it, this 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 was on final at a at Centennial. Honestly, like listening to the, to the audio and looking at kind of the radar tracks, it looks to me like the Cirrus was in. He screwed up. He missed. He, he, he missed his he, turn and lined up the wrong he blew, runway, right? He blew his approach, right? Like, and there's two runways at Centennial, 17 left and 17 right, and I think he was cleared for right. And, and he overshot it. He overshot it and blew into the 17 left approach with the Metro liner. Yeah. And just maybe two to five seconds before the collision, ATC told him, do not overshoot the turn for yes. final. Yeah. Yes. So, right, uh, clearly someone was watching him and noticed he was missing, but... Yeah. 
And, so. I mean, the cap system works, which is, yeah. it, it has failed before. So the, the other thing about the cap system that I find amazing is, like, its history and why it exists. And it's because, right, like, one of the founders of Cirrus had a crash and thought, like, maybe we should have parachutes on airplanes instead and, like, designed it into their yeah, models. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's not a technical explanation, but he saw an opportunity, or I wouldn't even say an opportunity, he saw it a uh, need, a need to, to give pilots a level of safety that if their plane would become unflyable, they could, they could survive yeah. the situation. Um, there's arguments out there that it's made pilots uh, lax or... Yeah. Uh, don't Boeing pilots say the same thing about Airbus fly-by-wire? Yeah. I don't, I don't know that I completely buy that. The data seems to back up that serious pilots do take a little more risk than they probably do. Uh, based on the number of cap pulls and accidents, incidents, things like that. But at the end of the day, it worked for this guy. Yeah. And he survived. Yeah. I'm still waiting to hear the first uh, real-world use of one of the uh, Autoland systems on one of these GA aircraft, the Garmin or the, the other system where they just push a button and the plane does basically all of the flying and gets you to the nearest airport and lands. That's kind of, I mean, it's, it's not the same as CAP since CAP is designed for, oh, crap, my airplane is broken yeah. and I need to get down to the ground. But... I'm very much looking forward to the first successful yeah. life-saving use yes. of that system. So you say it's not the same as Catherine. There's also, if you talk to uh, the Brits right now, there's a sort of this huge push in the United Kingdom to try to not fully automate things, but go towards like more eco-friendly and otherwise useful single-pilot operations. Hmm. And they want to basically make uh, the small commuter flights, the Stobart and uh, the guys that fly to, uh, to the Shetlands, um, Blanking on the name of that group now, um, but make all of those single pilot operators, yeah. like on little you know ten to nineteen seaters, and big part of that was can they make it happen as a single pilot? And if they do that, they need some sort of automation or like augmented pilot bit. Yeah. And Inmarsat, who does in-flight connectivity um, solutions, is part of that group now because their L band, low band with satellites connection is certified for flight deck communication. So it's sort of dropping. Dragon, not the dragon drop, but sort of plug and play into this environment. And it already has all the, I guess it would be CAA certification to pay off. You know, how it actually, you know, integrates and whatnot is fine. But I was talking to the guys about it and they were like, I was like, you know, it's not going to have video. You're not going to have any of these things to like figure out how to make it work. And their comment was, all you need is a very thin, you know, bandwidth connection and there's an emergency button. Someone on the ground can press it or someone in the air can press it. But if they press it, it's registered at both ends. And the plane takes over, and it's basically using these auto lands. Wouldn't it be weird if you're flying and someone else pushes the button? Uh, yep. Whoops. Meant Woo. to uh, hit Outlook there. Accidentally hit the Autolander airplane. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Jim, you did it again. <laughs> I know. It'll be, it'll be interesting to see how that goes. I mean, it's a cool system. I think the idea of it's great, especially yeah. like the single pilot operation. I think it's going to enable a lot of stuff. Um, the reason I like CAPS is because it is, it is such a like save-your-life type system. Yeah. And when it works, it works well. Um, I was amazed at how well the Metroliner held up to the damage. Things a tank. Yeah, I mean, when you look at it, the fuselage is cut in half. It's got just yeah. the bottom half, like the bottom piece, yeah. holding it together. But, I mean, we've seen incidents like that before with a panel blown out. True. Right, there's the there's one in Hawaii, yep. like 40 years ago now, probably. Yep. Right, a 727 or something like that. I think it was a 73 Classic. Or a 73 Classic, whatever. Like, so, I mean, planes are crazy over-engineered. It is always amazing to see how well it works. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm reading a tweet from Peter Lemmy, who knows a fair bit about flight controls. And he yeah. says, on the Fairchild Metro 2, the elevator and rudders are manually actuated with flight controls routed below the main deck. So all the cabling was underneath the, was in the floor of the right. deck. And only the entire top half of the airplane was obliterated so all of the it was really luck right all the critical cabling was underneath the flooring which was probably damaged but still intact yeah so it's it's super interesting I think the the whole everything around that incident was 
interesting to me. Yeah. Um, especially, and just, I mean, also amazing, like, literally the pilot didn't realize there was a problem until he got off. I was like, huh, half my plane's missing, what happened there? Yeah, when he, when he called it in and said, I think you lost an engine. You lost more than an engine, friend. Yeah, yeah. And so I'll be interested to see what the NTSB report is on it, because, like you said, Jason, like, what, what actually hit from the Cirrus? Right. You yeah. know, like, did it... Did 12 to 18 months, we should know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Any day now. Uh, I, yeah. I, they do good work, and I appreciate them doing it right. In detail. Well, we should get a preliminary report within the next couple of weeks. Yeah. So we'll get some. Or six weeks, we'll have, we'll have some idea. Yeah. Um, all righty. I think that's going to be it for the main part of the episode. We got a little Hawaii conversation to come up in the bonus topics for our Patreon subscribers. Are we going to Hawaii? We're going to Hawaii. Oh, congrats! Yeah. Um, okay. <laughs> let's talk about it. We'll see how how far we actually get. Yeah. Um, but we'll have that for our Patreon subscribers, which um, thank you to those of you who are already there, or those who want to. Um, read the show notes or any of the pages. You can find us, uh, I think it was just Dots, Lines, and Destinations on Patreon, but yeah. something you, like that. You, um, you bought, as a supporter, you bought Jason his beer today. Thank Necessary. you. Thank you. And Stephen and mine, but mostly Jason. Mostly Jason. Um, you can also uh, follow us on Twitter at Dots Lines or more.smorelines.com, and we will talk to you again next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.